0: Hey everybody, this is Scooter. One way to help out the show a lot is just to let somebody know about the podcast. Uh, I don't really have time to uh, promote the podcast or anything like that. I don't even know if that would work. But when you tell somebody about the podcast, it actually has some powerful, you know, impact. Say, hey, this works for me. Uh, So if you can recommend the podcast or comment on a sleep-related article or anything like that. But one thing I want to let you know but if there's a if there's something else I could do, or say, jeez, uh, you, uh, hey, I don't recommend the podcast because of this or because of this. L- you know, let me know about it. Jeez, if you if you used lulling, soothing, or tones, if you spoke even slower, you know, maybe I could start recommending the podcast. I I would think about it. I can't guarantee I would do it, but I might. But let's get onto the show. I just want to let you know, you know, feedback or whatever, and spreading the word is highly appreciated. Thanks. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn on the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what is the rest well tonight? So tonight's metastasis or breaking bad uh, metastasis language learning podcast. So I'm gonna uh, talk about the Colombian version of Breaking Bad Metastasis. I'm gonna talk about uh, breaking bad a little bit. And then I'm gonna talk about you know, say geez, I learned these are the Spanish words I looked up as I tried to learn about and then I noticed this about the show. Uh, so that's what I'm gonna do. Basically, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create a safe place. Uh, basically, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's run through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain. I'm gonna try to distract you from that. I'm gonna reach out my hand across the deep dark night and, and say, hey, geez, instead of listening to all that stuff running through your brain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. Whatever is keeping you from drifting off into dreamland, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, a little thing called going on and on and on and on and on. I'm gonna use some silly, you know. I'm gonna say Oshkosh bagash, and I say, geez, I forget. Is so, the Oshkosh, is that capitalized? And it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, right? I wonder if there's an Oshkosh, Oshkosh cheesery or an Oshkosh. By gosh, I wonder a lot about Oshkosh. And you say, Scooter, don't josh. And I'm say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I consider the Oshkosh to be posh on my brain. And, you know, says, if I was with Peter Tosh, and I, and I still, see, I say, well, you know, let's hit up a, let's go laugh outside in Ashkash, Bagash, Mister Tosh, and he would probably say, yeah, man, that might be frosh, and I'd say, whoosh, I've run out of words to rhyme, my friend, and but then he'd say, man, I, you know, after all the smoking I did, I need a little bit of a nosh, and I'd say, well, that's another rhyme, Mister Tosh. So yeah, I'm gonna do silly stuff like that. Try to take your mind off of whatever it is that's going through your brain. Uh, one image that it came to mind today when I was walking. I have a long walk after my train ride to work. Uh, now that I'm dealing with you know, anxiety around getting my bike fixed, creating an inability to get my bike fixed, you know, from fear, whatever, you know. Bike repair anxiety-related delays. Bike repair delays due to anxiety, and you know, you know, temper, bad temper, fear of other people's tempers, fear of losing—all those things. Every once in a while, I honestly wonder how ACG with all this stuff going on in my brain, with all these emotional uh bedevilments i said i'm surprised sometimes i can even get this podcast done really because i see you man and then i try to think of way to describe it to my brain before my brain starts criticizing me so i try to distract my own brain and i say it's a bit like being a lion tamer dealing with my brain but i think that's why you know what i do with what i attempt to do with your brain You know, because if you take the time to project your own issues onto a lion tamer and then overanalyze a lion tamer, you can come up with a whole lot of material. But hear me out and leave your mind open to the question, is your nighttime experience anything like this physically or mentally? Like this uh, lion tamer I'm thinking of, he works at a circus. The owner of the circus is one of these old school circus owner types, but not, you know, He's looking to push the envelope of entertainment, extract every dollar, and he hires you as the lion tamer. Now, uh, coming from a you know, long history of lion tamers and it being your, you know, she said I wanted to be a tiger tamer, to be honest, I wanted to, you know, do something different, but I'm a lion tamer, what can I do? You know, they, a lot of times people forget that first and foremost, or maybe not first and foremost... But one important, under, underappreciated aspect of a Lion Tamer is their performer. They're an actor or an actress, and they're there uh, ostensibly for the audience to put on a show, you know, to, to entertain the audience. And in this situation, at the behest of a tyr- tyrannical uh, circus owner, say, oh, well, I'm not going to pay you. Uh, but the, the Lion Tamer's performance... Uh, involves these uh uh wild animals they, they're called lions and they they don't belong in cages they probably don't belong in circuses but we're going to leave the politics aside right now uh, because this metaphor has already bogged itself down on its own but you see geez these are, so the lion tamer not only do you have to say what you say got to perform i got to put on a hell of a show tonight because i got old uh Old Ironsides—that's what they call the circus owner, because he was he he was shot out of a cannon one time. It got stuck, and they, they had to carve the cannon. So he has iron sides. He fused with the cannon. Uh, so that's why they call him Old Ironsides, the boss of this uh, circus. But you say so. Okay. So I got this uh, cage of wild animals. Now they're trained to perform. And I got to perform for this crowd of uh, wild and this, you know, possibly some yokels, some locals, and, you know, some people that say, geez, I was just pa- I, uh, circus fans. I'm, and maybe even some circus fanatics. And not only that, you say, geez, I I, I got to perform for the audience. I got to stay calm and, and maintain, you know, whatever the dance that I do with these, these wild beasts to make them. Respond to me so and and you' probably ideal you have some sort of positive relationship with these lions you know at at least in this is this metaphor you are a loving lion, you're not just a lion tamer, you know lions were tamed by your love, you know after your heart was broken i I think this might be was that uh uh out of Africa three. The Lion Tamer, lion, Tamed by Love, I think that was, it wasn't made. It may have been some fan fiction I did one time when I was in a fugue state, but I think of all of the things competing uh, for, for your attention as you're the Lion Tamer, and you really your safety, your safety, your health kind of remind, revolves around you, keeping all these things in balance and and, and focusing because you say, geez, well, I got to worry about the lions, you know, be wild, unpredictable animals. And I think uh, uh, whatever Frenchie has a toothache, uh, but like I said, the show must go on. Uh, you got to worry about that rookie we just picked up in the circus who's seducing all, all the people you ever a crush on. And he said, I, I fancy myself the tamer of lions. You know, competing for your job, you got to worry about the tyrannical circus owners' unpredictable temper and criticisms. And then you got to worry about the second Friday night show and nickel beer night. You got a crowd of, 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 you know, anything could happen. But it all comes down to you saying, okay, I've done this before. I can do this. I'm going to say, oh, no, Frenchie, no, Frenchie, no. Calm down, Frenchie. I'm the lion tamer. I'm in control. Uh, but from the outside looking in, no one knows. No one knows the. the, the No one knows something about lion. That, that would be the lion tamer's memoir, but they never, you know, unfortunately, they're always like uh, one quarter of the way in the memoir and then kaput, you know. They're fired or they could live on a farm in the sky. You know, nothing else could possibly ever happen to a lion tamer bad. But yeah, they don't complete men. Not not many lion tamer memoirs complete. Now ghost writers, oh boy, yeah, there's a lot of those lion tamer ghost writers. Uh, this is my lion tamer comedy tour. But every once in a while, you say, "Geez, at that bedtime—that—that's uh, that's kind of my natural state." Now I'm I'm also like the the lion tamer. They said, "Hey, are you the one that that makes the popcorn?" And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, sir, old I, Mr. Iron sides, and he says, "No one calls me that, and I say, Well, everyone does when you're not so oh, yeah, yes, sir, and he says, Listen, popcorn Jack, I need you to take do the lion tamer show tonight. Are you familiar with it? I know at some point one stands on one foot, okay, you're hired, get in there, uh, now, I don't know it's a bit like coming I said, uh." Uh, I don't know if this metaphor is coming, really coming together, but that's the point of bedtime. All of a sudden, it's like a wine tamer show, and you're pulled out of the pot. You say, well, I was just going to make popcorn and go to bed, not even eat it. I just wanted the gentle smell of popcorn. I want to go to sleep. But then you get all these things competing for your interest, your attention. All of a sudden, you feel So I'm here and maybe th- this particular lion tamer either one but probably the more experienced one he's uh, you know maybe him he he's got a thing for someone you know one of the clowns uh lulu the clown And when he locks eyes with Lulu, he just gets in the zone and he forgets about everything but the task at hand. And he doesn't worry about the crowd. He doesn't worry about uh, Frenchie's toothache. He doesn't worry about that he doesn't like working. You know, all those things. And he just gets in the zone because he's distracted. And that's the goal of the podcast, to distract you from all that other stuff and put you to sleep. Now, ideally, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't put you to sleep while you're in the middle of actual lion taming because that would go horribly wrong, probably. Maybe not. Maybe the lions would just kiss you. And that's—and in that, and this metaphor, that's what they'll do. Is and, and, and I'm like a lion, I guess, because i got to finish this metaphor. As you lie, we just give you a little, they call it a main bath out here. Uh, M-A-N, where we just rub you with our manes and say, oh, you've been tamed. These aren't real lines. We are but paper tigers in this senseless metaphor. So that's what the podcast says. If it's your first time here, it's maybe that's probably, maybe, you know, uh, most... Uh, jumbled metaphor but it was uh, i was thinking about it today probably shouldn't have thought about it but in some sense i don't know which part of the metaphor the podcast is or you are Uh, probably here's here's a tip just take away Uh, don't tame lions you know i don't think they're meant to be tamed and lion tamers aren't appreciated and so are you and, and, and that's why I want to help you fall asleep. I want to distract you. And I don't want you up all, all night, tossing and turning, okay? That's the goal of the podcast, to take your mind off of things and let you fall asleep. Now, I guarantee you, during all this nonsense I've been talking, uh, hopefully it was just engaging enough for you to say, well, I didn't, I didn't think about that spreadsheet that's due tomorrow until he just mentioned it. And then he mentioned Frenchie's toothache, and she said her snarl. But uh you know, hopefully I took your mind off of things. I just wanna say I'm glad you're here. And I really wanna help you fall asleep, all right? Thanks for stopping by. All right, housekeeping. I wanna thank Chris Posty posters in that does our music over at sounds like an dot com. He's got a podcast called Sounds Like an Earful. I wanna thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. I want to thank Laura running the noderation. She's our noderator over at our Facebook group, uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods will take you there. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can go to our website, sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes are on there, show notes and stuff. Uh, You can comment on the website. You can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can send a snail mail. Just go to slash SASE. And I'll even send you, if you send a self addressed stamped envelope, that's what SASE stands for. I'll send you some uh, show notes back. I just re up to the post office box, talk to the post office. So uh, that uh, you can get a quickest way to get me, probably Twitter at Dearest Scooter or on Facebook. And that's where I try to post sleep-related articles and, what do you call that thing, Uh, bloopers. Our newsletter came out with a video portion that David T. worked on, so I want to thank him. And you can sign up for the newsletter at com slash newsletter. And it just has like a a week in review that's about two or three or four or five weeks old. Uh, Like silly stuff you might have missed. Uh, Thank you. Speaking of snail mail, I want to thank Tara, I want to thank Lynn, and I want to thank Sarah and Mike for all the mail they sent me. Thank you. I want to thank Robert for commenting on the website. Real nice comments. Thank you, Robert. I want to thank Jeannie for the email and say, hey, Jeannie, I hope you're still listening to the podcast. And it was really nice to hear from you. Over on Twitter, I want to say hi to Eric Babs. Renee, Tony, Anna Eve, Daniel, D A N Y L O, Anna Eve, Dan Y L O, and Swan T J. You recommended the podcast, so I want to thank all of them. I want to say hi to Airman and Sean over on YouTube and on Facebook. I want to say hi to Brian H, Laura, Alexandra, Francesca, and Rutsiv. Uh, wait in here, I said. She said in here that I got her name wrong, and then iTunes reviews. I want to thank Reltass, ta reltas Reltas. That's boring and funny. Why? Okay, and they say how it works. I can't understand, but it does the trick. But they're becoming dependent. Don't stop recording. No problem. And then Big Head fifty four. I don't know if this is the big big head, you know, from uh, formerly of Pied Piper. Currently was he did he I can't remember how the season ended. Was he still working? Well I don't wanna I don't want to get sued by Hooley, but you know, I always Big Head's got a big heart. A big heart they should have called him. Except he had you know, you can't see your heart, you can only see your big head. But BigHead54 said, boom, asleep, and then just all Zs. So thank you, BigHead. Thank all of you for the support. And let's get out of the show. All right, so we're talking about episode eight of metastasis here. And this week I had a legal pad and a black and white pen. So the first pen, first run through was in black pen the second run through was in red pen and we'll go through them one at a time i guess this week i watched uh i watched metastasis twice then breaking bad so it's still testing ways that you know just always testing test test testing uh but it opens with a black and white shot of plants and a hose and dripping water there's sound effects there's sirens there's orange juice, there's a plastic toy, a piece of a plastic plush toy, and then we see a color plush toy and then we jump back uh, because this is in Breaking Bad is season two episode one in metastasis, I think I don't know if they did a couple episodes first or if this was you know they had gotten a full sixty I don't know the episodes are numbered strange. But we start playing basically the last five minutes of last week's episode. But I don't think it's just to catch us up. I think it's to to put some impact. Because remember last week I was saying this guy's a little bit like Donald Trump. This uh, Tuco, Uh, he doesn't wear a suit. He wears uh, sweet shirts. But uh, we see again Tuco using words like I Chingados. And Gonzo, he's the guy who loves weighing meth, and he gets so he gets to weigh his meth again. So he's very happy about that. He says, "Oh boy, I love weighing meth." And then we experience the Donald Trump, or, you know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump trappings, maybe of Tuco, where he says, "Hey, listen," to the other guy he says, "You don't work here anymore. You fired." I don't do a Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has this, I'm just a spitball on this. I think he has a Scarsdale accent. I'm not positive on that. I think at one point there was a famous thing, maybe before my time, called the Scarsdale Diet, maybe, or maybe that's a movie. But Donald Trump says, you fired, or something like that. And Tuco does the same thing. And so we see it again. He fires this employee. And you say, well, geez, this guy... Uh, do you want him to be president of our math corporation or our company because he's a lunatic and i mean either one and we get a really powerful scene after this Uh, you got the car jose this is the new stuff now jose and walter in the car and Jose's very upset, he's rubbing his keys, he's he's physically manifesting his feelings and trying to, uh, he's trying to, it's just, it just great acting. And then we have uh, Walter, and he's kind of making a speech or having a little monologue, it's about family and money, he's doing some uh, math, I think, or adding some stuff up. But clearly, they're both trying to make sense of this firing. They're saying, geez, we worked with a guy. we could get, He could just fire us. What the heck? And then the sound starts to fall out, and you can see the pressure building in Jose Miguel. And then, Walt well, says, Vamanos, or Vamos, let's move it. And then they start driving, and then Tuco blocks their way, or almost plays a little chicken with them. Then he says, Eisenberg, get out of the truck. Uh, you know... I, I need you. He says, he says another, you know, surprise uh, first aid test for, you know, all my employees need to be first in first aid and CPR. And so Wolf says, okay, well, I'll take the, you know, I'll take the test, but I don't know Jose Miguel's got his hands in his pockets. He's not big on that. And then they have a discussion about mouth to mouth, boca to boca. And then Jose comes over. He's like, I think I did that once. But then Tuko says, "You know what? Forget this. you guys both. Uh, you, he goes, hey, you both got a, a, a D, which is barely he says you both got a D, which is bar- barely passable." And then the guy with the scales, uh uh, uh Gonzo, he says, "Hey, boss, what's with these pop quizzes? These are new employees. You know, they're not even employees, they're contract workers." And he says, well, he says, well, "Let me do a team building. We'll play hide and seek." And Tuko says, "I don't want to play hide and seek." And he says, and then they do. But then he says, I don't like the way Jose plays hide and seek. He he doesn't play the way I like to. And then Jose says, I'm an employee. I want you to respect my personal boundaries. And then they said, in that case, let's just call it a day. You know, let's just call it a day. So they call it a day. And the next thing you know, we're at Walt's house. Ciel brushing her hair. And I say, geez, that's pretty boring. But brushing her, you know, brush once. Brush twice, brush three times. But she's looking, she's by herself, she's looking at all Walter's medications, she sighs. Then she puts on one, like a a beauty mask, I guess. There's a noise in the house, and they said, geez, their house is really nice. It's bigger than I thought it was. I didn't write down any examples, but I said, man, that upstairs is nice. I, I I love the balcony, that's the main thing, but that's later in the episode. But then Cielo finds Walter downstairs looking out the window, wondering if Tuco's coming for another surprise. You know, he says, Is This hazing, dear, should I be worried? But he can't tell her she get he got a job with Tuco. And she says, Hey, what are you doing down here? He can't hear her. And then he he's in a you know state. And then he he says, Oh, S to B N. She says "Be." or she says, S to B N you okay? And he says, Oh b n and then he puts his black hat down, which I thought was uh, interesting. And he hugs his wife, he pats her belly, hugs it. And then he kind of loses it. He, sees, he says, geez, I'm so under so much stress here. With the cancer, the baby, the new job, the secret. With a temperamental boss that's a lunatic. So then he says, Cielo says, well, don't take it, go outside, you know, you time out. And Walt looks very pensive, Cielo comes out and tells him that. And then Walter Jr. comes home, he finds, you know, his house is a little awry. And uh, then there's this city shot, then we see Jose Miguel in a nice little cafe, he's drinking a little soda pop, I think, but he looks very stressed. And then he puts some money in a paper bag on a table. A guy takes it. He says, here, here this is like a, a security device. Not as good as a deadbolt, but pretty, you know, similar to a deadbolt. And then we go back to Jose's house and Jose and Walter there. They're talking about, you know, deadbolts. What else do you use? You know, and they say, well, you can't keep a deadbolt. You know, you can't keep a boss out of your life if you're working for him. And Jose is very angry and upset. He says, por qué, Yahweh? Por nada. And he's adamant, Jose Miguel. And Walt uh, tries to calm him down and talk some sense to him because Jose Miguel's like, let's quit. Let's just quit our jobs. We'll go to Trump, to go Trump, and quit. And Walt says, you now without, without due cause, we'll lo- lose all of our rights. Our health insurance uh, severance packages, we won't be able to collect unemployment. Think this out, Jose. you got to think out everything we're doing here. And we'll tries to calm him down. He says, if you're going to terminate a contract with this guy, everything has to be perfect. Then the next thing you know, Maria's on the phone in her house. Henry's watching her talk. She's all excited on the phone. Then he tries to talk to her. She's all irritated, and then she look, walks out in mid-conversation. Henry chases her out. Uh, they're still talking. This kid has a remote control, bumps in, rumps into Henry. Henry says, rapido, espere. Oh, that's when the car hits him, I think. And then he's not done talking with Maria, but she's done talking. She says, kiss, kiss, or she does kiss, kiss, chow, and she drives over, drives over the kid's car when she's leaving. Uh, Henry pays the kid off for the car. And then we have Gomez, Henry's partner, teaching some sort of paperwork to this kid, like another cop. And Henry says, in my office, and they watch this chemical uh, break in. And they're analyzing the video of Walton Jose Miguel breaking in. They're like, are these guys pros? And uh, then Henry's making a joke about rolling the barrel. Why didn't they roll the barrel? And they're talking about methylamine and saying that they could be cooks, I think i think henry figured it out i'm not sure how and then walt gets home from arguing with jose miguel and someone's outside his house in a truck and then it's morning at the uh, uh blanco household cielo wakes up from her baby kicking she gives a nice warm smile rolls over to tell walt something he's not there he's downstairs looking out the window for his boss and was like, what's going on, Walt? And then we're back at Ho- Jose's house again. Walt and him are arguing about, do we want to work for Trump or not? And Jose's like, again, I want to pitch my quitting. And Walt's like, I got an idea with these plants here. These are magical quitting plants, magic of chemistry. And these will fix everything, which is, you know, they, they, they have the power to draw a boundary with your supervisor. And then we have a shot of Cielo in the baby's room putting stuffed animals in the crib. She's got fluffy diapers, the ones that uh, Mona was advertising. Uh, Mona was advertising the toilet paper version. And then there's a red flower box, and she's looking through. She's shocked. She finds that she's looking through old pictures. Looks like an old boyfriend and her doing some dancing. Uh, Then there's a knock at the door, and Henry's there. He's like, hey, what's up? I got to talk. Uh, I got a phone issue, I said. He he does a lot of talking with his hands. And then the tiara comes up, and Cielo gets really uh, pissed. And I don't know, so I guess Henry taking Maria's side, but Cielo's not having it. And then Cielo gets upset and she starts crying. And Henry gets all awkward, but he still kind of hugs her and, and talks softly to her. And then we are back in Jose Miguel's basement and they're cooking up these magical bean plants to quit their job. There's spy music playing, like almost Mission Impossible style, with some good bass. And then afterwards, they sit down. They're talking about Jesus. Well, this, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. We're going to, you know, try to break. We're going to try to get fired from our job, or something. You know, they want to have the best of everything. And uh, he says, you know, what we'll, we'll do is we're going to. They think they said we'll put this magical stuff in some mess, We'll tell our boss it's a special mix, and then we'll quit. On you know, or maybe they're going to uh, put him in a uh, like some sort of, uh, you know, treatment facility and then leave their jobs. I, I don't know. And then a call comes in, Walt's, like, gee, irritated, pissed, and it's Henry. He's like, hey, where you at, bro? Uh, I was just at your house, and Cielo's, you know, something's going on there. And then he's actually at the site of the last deal, and he's like, you know, I, I, I work, uh, gumshoe for, uh, you know, one of these work—you know—enforcing workers' rights, Waltz, And I'm on—you know—on the case right now. And he says, I just found out these. Not only was one guy fired unfairly, uh, you know, but, but another guy was maybe fired or, you know, let go of his job because he was, you know, counseling this young man that was fired. And I got a feeling somebody's, you know, trying to, what do you call it, like uh, they must have brought in a consultant that said, fire everybody. So then Walt, they, he's like, oh, boy. And then Jose Miguel's like, oh, boy. And Jose Miguel grabs the money. Walt grabs the deadbolt. And he says, I'm going to lock my house up and pretend this problem goes away. Jose Miguel, you run around like a lunatic. And then, but that's when we, actually, that's when we switch back and we see Henry discovered the uh, firing. But I just kind of combined it together. Oh, but the other thing Henry unrecovered was one of the guys was fired because he was injured in a work-related accident because the other guy was fired. So he said, oh, let me talk to you about firing. Then he got hurt. Like, he got a bruise. And then they said, hey, did you go to the doctor because you got a bruise? You're fired. That's what Trump said. You're fired. And they say, you can't do that. And so Henry's like, this, is, this case is going to blow it open, man. This You know, this is unfair. And then Walt rushes home to, you know, break it to his wife. I have a secret job, and I'm about to lose it, my dear. And she's trying to do some peaceful candlelight yoga con Lucho. And Walt's all upset, and then while she's talking, he walk, walks off and he's like, I better hide all this money and this new deadbolt uh, in the bathroom, and Cielo's like, Walter, get in here, Walt, we need to talk, were you going to admit that you have a secret job to me, and Walt's phone rings, he doesn't answer it, but then Cielo's mad, and Walt goes to his balcony, because they think he heard something, and then Jose Miguel's there, he's like, hey, I want to he didn't say anything. Walsh just like, oh, boy, what's this guy doing? He goes, we can't be seen together conspiring to quit a job. That's, you know, reason for fire, grounds for firing. And then, so Walsh goes down to tell Jose Miguel that, and then goes in the back. He says, hey, hey, top two employees, we need, you know, a midnight uh, emergency work meeting. Let's go. And then they're, they're so excited to get to talking about hashing this out work wise. It starts setting off all these car alarms as Jose's Miguel's car's driving off. And that's the end of the episode. Alright, so now I'm gonna run through the red pen version of the show of Metastasis episode eight. Uh Sais Tritolo uh, Walt was saying uh This money is for my family's future. Uh, Christos generales, hipoteca hacielo, Uh, que hacemos, Uh, frene frene, sirve, chingado, pasate, de eso, chingada again, tiralo, apuerte, tiene prisa uh toco has no ass oh tuco has no that was in english and i thought it was in spanish my handwriting so bad i noticed in the second run through I mean, i'm not right i don't spend a lot of time looking at but tuco has no ass because he has these designer jeans and i figured uh with such a shirt and style i said yeah i'm gonna check tuco's ass i'm not you know but i noticed he had like almost what did i write he had another great black and white shirt, like window pane style. Uh, but he has no ass, it's very flat. And you might say, "Scooter, what are you looking and doing looking at Tugos ass? I say, well, Jesus, the details that make this podcast boring. You know, and nothing can be more boring than a concave ass and a man with a stylish shirt. You know, even I'm not even into dudes' asses, but I'm into observing them. So pardon my ass observations, but and it's not a knock on him. I guess I was just surprised. I said, "Jesus, to go." I don't know why. I don't know what. I I guess I I, maybe I haven't done enough ass looking, so maybe I should bump up my ass observations. Uh, So, but yeah, so. Asus taste, Te pasa algo. Uh, I put WTF at some point. Uh, compraste sombrero. Uh, she says, uh, Ciela says when she sees Walter's black hat. Uh, Walter put the black hat down on a remote. I'm about 99% positive. It was an old Sony remote from an older Sony television pre you're talking CRT generation because that's what I have at my house Uh, is a a Sony CRT I uh, I still have it in my house I don't use it anymore Uh, but you know I'm I'm too powerless to uh, I want to get rid of it but I I don't know, anyway but I know it's the same remote a gray old Sony remote it has this thing on the bottom that maybe you'd attach a wrist holder for in case you're worried about flinging your remote or you want to bring it to the bathroom with you and not hold on to it or put it in your pocket like a regular person so you know and it's run by sony pictures so it makes i don't know if that makes sense but interesting uh donde estuviste su supon and yendo supoyendo supon Indo, subindo, that gets said a lot when Juan and Jose are arguing. Pun, punta, 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 Nales or something. I Miraba. miraba, mirabba, I wrote something in English I can't read. Think about something for something. Tracer dose. Uh, what about Gonzo? He's big. Uh, somebody says, exact. Walt says, low hezo. Oh, uh, Maria's talking about Chinese versus Colombian restaurants, I think. They put, Henry's got a nice shirt. His was blue and maroon diamonds. With kind of other things, even a light and dark blue. Uh, Dime, Terapia, therapy, successions. Asparagus gets said six times. Uh, Petarlo or Petardo. Quivo. Cuevones. Turbito. Special Olympics gets said, I think. Uh, very sm- smiley. Oh, Cielo's very smiley when she wakes up. The, ba- the baby wakes her up. Well it claims he had a stomach ache. Uh, Ghana gets fed, said semilius SASMilius. I noticed the, the diapers, the fuppy diapers come in fifty to a pack. Uh, you know that's important to know. Uh Gulpiar Oye te Mando Mira Yo intendo que ustedes dos tienen sus diferencias uh, sabias. Uh, is saying something like, my problems are bigger than yours. Uh, los míos, no. Uh, Maria's klepto, that also gets said somewhere in there. Qualquer uh, cosa era say i also know in jose miguel's house he's got a little coffee cup collection going with some christmas coffee cups probably left over from his aunt but i said jeez he's got a little seasonal coffee cup collection or teacup and you know mug i guess they're mugs coffee mugs which i said well that's that doesn't seem too badass actually so i guess uh, maybe he's more sensitive or, you know, he seasonally drinks, you know, he says, well, it's, I want to feel like Christmas even when I'm drinking my coffee. I like to know my seasons. You know, in the morning I would say, what the hell season? Oh, it's my uh, Halloween mug, and I know. Even though I haven't had my coffee, I know it's Halloween. Thank goodness. Uh, bou- bouquet. Uh, tanta Sangre. Daniel La vuelta, uh, Daniel La vuelta, Poesia, No Yodas, uh, Henry's got a great laugh when he's figuring out that whole firing, uh, you know, saying, great chuckle, uh, there's breaking bad string music in the industrial scene when Henry's investigating this industrial firing, uh... The Breaking Bad music with strings, you know, like a uh, violin type stuff, and a couple other observations. Walt drives very fast when he's trying to get home. Uh, Con lucho eso fue lo que dijo? Voy donde estabas, Walter. Walter, sigh. That's what Cielo says when Walt's in the bathroom, and then she says Walter Blanco. She really, she she, she doesn't yell it. She she says it forcefully. Like he's a little boy in trouble. She says, Walter Blanco, estoy hablando. Hablame, or something, talk to me. Say in serio, Walter, talk to me. Oh, I'm serious. Uh, No sé por dónde comenzar. And then I put Walt has a nice balcony, which I already mentioned. And I said, "Jesus, that's where balconies." I said, "His neighborhood isn't quite urban enough, but I I love urban life with a balcony. It can't be beat." That's when I get along with other human beings. When I'm in a balcony, talk. You know, I say, morning, neighbor." You know, if I see you at the mailbox, I'll be like, "What the hell?" Do do? But for some reason, when I'm at a balcony, some something about the boundaries, I'm more chipper. Like if you saw me at a balcony. Like, uh, you'd say, geez, that guy can't be boring. He's got to be that guy. He must be some sort of uh, a rocket scientist. Uh, rocket He's like, yeah, that guy must be a rocket tester. And then a couple of last things. A couple of last things. Usted que está haciendo aquí. Subete. Uh, Tuco says that, and he says, vamos. And that's it for our second metastasis run-through. Okay, so this is our Breaking Bad run-through. So open some black and white with a hose and some bamboo, a snail, a a drinking glass. Uh, There's someone whistling, probably a nice whistling, a wind chime. We see a picture of it and then we hear it, I think, but it's squeaking. We hear a little bit of sirens, we hear the sounds of water, we see water. And then there's a little mystery in the water. And we see something floating. The water's rumbling. We hear the water moving. It's getting sucked into the pool filter. And then we're under the water. We see that pink, uh, uh, what's it called, plushie. And I don't know why I can't think of the guy, Mr. Snuggles or whatever, from Toy Story 3. I can't. Was that guy played by Walter Brim? Why do I want to say Walter Brimley? I guess that makes sense in the podcast. Wilford Brimley. And we know it says, like, a plush toy that has a little bit of a burn on it. and say, oh, dear. And then we're black, replaying from last season the same as with, uh, you know, the, 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 the people losing, the guy losing his job, a blue Maths, uh to go happy but not as a good supervisor, not nice to his employees. And then we're in the car, uh, and it's another great scene. There's heavy breathing from Walt. He's looking at the money, uh, but Walt's kind of obsessively rain-manning, kind of. He needs $737,000. He says, uh, he's adding up, he says, uh you know, inflation, college, that's forty-five a year. But two kids with college, that's 360 Gs. Mortgage with home equity 30 G's that's 137. Uh, cost of living with home and stuff two grand a month. Wow, two oh, I guess after the house is paid off. And then he said, Okay, so that's 240,000. he starts adding it 737,000. That's what I need. And he says, 70 grand, It's only 10 more weeks, 11 more weeks. That's a doable, doable. And then Jesse just sighs, uh, starts the car. Walt buckles up. I, I said, geez, that Walt, I mean, that's such a an deta- important detail about his character. He buckles up. And then they have a near collision. There was a couple of quick cuts. So there was a Mary statue. I wasn't sure if it was, it was uh, Jesse's car or Tuco's car. But I said that was an interesting touch, but I, I didn't I didn't rewatch it to see I thought the mystery would be more fun. And Tuko's trying to get Walt to pass uh Tuco's trying to get Walt to pass the CPR test, you know. And he says, Come on, man, you you do something. You're smart, right? You know, do you can, what do you mean you can't pass this? And then he says, What about moths to moth? And he says, That's not part of Wall says they don't do that anymore on CPR tests. And then Gonzo says, "Hey, let me help. You know, let me help here." Uh, Tuco smoked a cigarette. He did not smoke in the uh, uh, in metastasis. I thought that was interesting. And then Tuco, they, they're getting ready to leave. He says, uh, "What's the big hurry?" And Walt says, "I just think we're done here." And Tuco gets He says, "He said you're done." And it was just a very, very Trump-esque, menacing. Says, "You're done." I think he says, Oh, yeah, you're done to Jesse. And then we have Skylar. She's rubbing lotion on her pregnant belly, looking at Walt's pills. Uh, she puts on a green beauty mask. And then she hears something. She calls out to Walt, goes downstairs. And Walt's just staring at the TV, lost in thought, and no sound. He's totally absorbed in the TV. And kind of out of it, she says, hey, you got a new t- new hat? He says, what? And then he, she says, I got some grilled chickens for Albertsons, let's eat. And then I noticed Walt puts his hat on a bird, a little bird statue or like a paperweight or something it had, but it was more songbirds than owls. Because as I said, I'm fixated on the fact that in metastasis they have a little uh, uh, ceramic owl collection. But then Walt's really sad in, in this. She says, where have you been? And he's almost crying, holding her, holding his belly. But then he tries to work out his, his tension other ways, and C.L. says no. And then Walt goes outside. She says, don't take your tension out of me, Walt. She says, you cannot take it out of me. And then we have Jesse. He's at the doghouse, which is, I guess, a comic, comedic term. But he's at the hot dog stand. He's a little freaked out. And I said, "Geez, Jesse's got some fur-like hair. Maybe not quite as furry as mine, but he's fur. He's got some fur." And it was the hot dog in the dog's tail, where the neon, the neon sign. And we have Jesse and Walt arguing. Jesse's yelling, and Walt saying, this is conjecture. And it was just hilarious. He says, this is conjecture. And he says, this is conjecture. Yes, conjecture is not helping. And then he says, okay, what about the facts? This guy, is, he keeps my phone keeps ringing. People are hanging up. And Walt's like, Jesse, you're overreacting. Calm down. He, he goes, he goes, Tuco wants to work with us. And Jesse throws it back. Him all, he says, what's that conjecture? Are you basing that on the fact that he has a normal, healthy brain or something? Jesse's so good when he's flustered. Aaron Paul, so good. And he says, yeah, did you hear him when he said you're done to us? That means you're going to, that's what Trump says when you're fired. You're fired. You're done. And he's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's him or us. You fire him or you fire us. And then Walt talks about the specifics and trying to get Jesse to say, well, Jesus, you know, we we, we got to be, you know, we 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 got to work this out somehow. But, you know, it has to be specific. But there's some great dialogue he closes with. Uh, Walt says something about his dealers and his posse. What about them? He also knows Jesse had a giant tub of uh, those candied orange slices. I mean, they're really gummies with sugar on his counter like he, he must have gone to uh uh costco or something and then we have a portable uh coffee mug with a radiology sticker on it oh line of splendas lined up in a very specific way the radiology stickers on marie's coffee cup it says uh we see right through you and before there was uh siri marie had some fancy regular old-fashioned phone that dials itself and she has a call skylar now this is one of the scenes where i said marie could have her own boring podcast because she says uh, uh hey skylar you must be up out and early big lug and i are gonna go try a new restaurant so if you guys want to hang listen to me listen to me, meander she goes hang hey, walt jr would be proud i know the lingo i'm a hip it's a chinese restaurant i don't know they just feel like Chinese. Uh, do you feel like people in China just feel like American? You know, they go and get takeout boxes, uh, mashed potato meatloaf, and try to figure out, how do I wonder? All right, I'll let you go. Bye. And she's very OCD with her, her, her Splendor Raptors. They're very specific about how she handles them. And then Hank's like, what are you doing? Don't you have to meet with Dave at 8 tonight? And she goes, uh, no. And he goes, yeah, you have six more sessions with him. That's it. And, uh, I said, I put, I, I said, I think I like Frank, uh, Hank's neighborhood, not Frank, Hank. And it's just good, good dial here. Uh, Hank's like, Dave's really helping. And see him, him and Marie are just, Marie's not having it. Marie gets in her car, starts her car. She has easy, easy listening music blasting. Like, so elevator music, but loud. And then she runs over the kid's car. And then we have Gomez telling this cop a story. Something about a phone call, two, it sounded like I couldn't tell if it was a jail story or a uh, a poker story. So, something, give me two, give me four. And then Hank's like, hey, chop, chop, let's, let's, uh, get, we got to get into my office here. And then they talk about the chemical robbery. And then Hank's like, that place smells like feet. And then they're joking as he says, you think they're pros? And he's like, look at this. He goes, yeah, oh, no, look at them. He goes, it's a barrel. It rolls. And he says, oh, they take meth, man. he goes, what are they making, old school biker meth? And then Hank, he gets so close to the solution here so early. He goes, well, the pseudoephedrine's short, so they change the formula. They make thermite, so they know their chemistry, but they're not burglars. So book learning, no street skills. And then Gomez says, well, maybe they're college kids. And Hank says, maybe. But they're going to step on someone's toes here. So they better pray. It's us, they catch them and not the boys from Juarez. And then we have Walt. He comes home, he gets the paper. He sees someone watching them who's smoking in their car. But I said, I don't think he got the paper in Columbia. I think he just got home. And then Skyler's in bed. She almost seemed like she was jolted awake by the baby. But then she laughs. She says, Oh, it's just a baby kicking. And then she says, Your daughter wants out, Walt. And then Walt's not there. He's out watching a window. He's tired. Phone rings. He's scared by that. It's Marie. Skyler does the pickup hang up move. And then Walt's like, oh, he had a stomachache, babe. But Skyler's not buying it. And then Walt's like, well, I've just been hanging down here with my stomachache. Let me put this knife away. I haven't been up to anything. And then we're with Walt and Jesse. Walt's like grilling Jesse about how would Tuco know where, you know, about Walt. And Tuco says, or I mean, Jesse says, he's got his ways and his means, yo. Sources have left that line. And Jesse had a cool shirt, it was a skull sticking its tongue out And then we have this classic scene about the next solution uh, Well like, I got a better idea And Jesse says, uh, well thank god, what is it? Lay it on me Mr. White And he says beans, and Jesse, and I think it's just hilarious Jesse says beans, he says yeah, castor beans And Jesse says, we, we're going to grow a magic beanstalk And climb it and escape and then you say, Man, who's writing this? It's so good. Well it says, No, we're gonna process it into ricin. And Jesse says, Rice and beans. I mean, that's exactly what Jesse would say. And then Walt well, says, Oh no, no, it's a it's a pre it, it turns itself into a contract for quitting, you know, your job and getting fired first or you know, getting laid off so we can collect unemployment. I think I wrote, Comedy Gold Beans. And then we have Skyler lying on the floor looking at pictures of her and some dude. And someone's at a window. It's Hank. He's like, uh, hi, Sky. And he kind of points at her. The two-finger point like a guy like Hank would use. Hey, can we talk? Can we sit? And she he says, I'll sit. And then she says, this is about Marie. And he just laughs. He stands right back up. I know his Hank has a laugh, just like President Bush, former President Bush, that, heh heh he, he, no, no, yeah, Heh heh he, he. something like that, that's not that good, as good as it is, but, heh heh heh, yeah, I can't do it, but, but, something like that, uh, Bush, but, you know, you guys know what I mean, and it's actually a, it's like a cute, I mean, I don't know if you, free world leader, you want laughing like that, but, it's an—it's not an offensive laugh. It's actually like a, a nice laugh or more of a chuckle. But they have it out a little bit because she says, did Marie send you? And Hank says, no, she's not even talking to me. I'm here. Self-preservation. Uh, big time. And I, I need you guys to work it out for me. He goes, I don't want to be involved in this, but, you know, you got to communicate. And, and Skylar's like, uh, give, give me a break. And, and she says, no, Marie's a shoplifter. She says, that's right, that baby Tyara, Tira- T- T- you know, almost got me arrested. Aunt Marie won't admit it or apologize. And then it's clear Hank knows, and he says, she says, what? And he says, yeah, we're working on it. She goes to see this guy, Dave. Dave, he goes, I mean, Dave is really good. This says, Dave's good. He says, it's an ongoing process, guy. We got to be understanding. You know, I mean, we got to, you know, support the shit out of her. And she says, do, do we? I need support. She's like, I'm an almost 40-year-old pregnant woman with a surprise baby on the way. A husband with lung cancer who disappears for hours on end. Doesn't speak to me. A moody son who does the same thing. Overdrawn checking account. And a lukewarm water heater with rusty-looking crap. You know, it's rotting out the floor. We can't even pay to fix it. But she's like, now I'm supposed to go, oh, Hank, let me help you with my spoiled kleptomaniac sister who somehow manages to be the center of attention because God knows she's the one with the important problems. And then she get, Hank gets real upset, and then Hank gets, can I take a look at you? want me to take a look at the utility closet? Uh, but it's really good acting, good grimaces by Hank. He kind of leans back at one moment. And then we're at the Rice and Cook... And it says, well, it says, that's all it takes. And at some point, it says, Jesse says, what's new about it? Oh, yeah, Jesse, I said that was smart because it, well, it says, well, we'll just pretend this is a new formula. And Jesse says, well, what's new about it? Well, you got to have an answer. You're the man with all the answers, but you can't answer the simple stuff. So I thought that was nice by Jesse. And then also there was a nice callback in there because earlier walt kept saying let's leave a pin in that jesse and we'll come back to it when he was shooting down all of jesse's ideas and then when he says well what's the new bible I said i don't know and he says okay we'll put a pin in it i thought that was like an interesting echo like callback or whatever i don't know it was good and then what hank calls he says hey Walt. sorry i i kind of messed stuff up with skylar have you heard from her we got to get her and murray talking." And he says, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm in the middle of something. He said, hey, so I'm at work looking into these, uh, you know, strange people losing their jobs. And what he says, what? He said, yeah, these guys. And, and then Wallace says, hey, Jesse, you go out of town. I'm going to go home and install this dead vault. And then he peels out it. Jesse starts looking for his money. And he has an obscene amount of jello molds, I think. So instead of having coffee mugs in Columbia, Jesse has jello molds. And then Walt calls for Skyler. There's way more shots in this than in uh metastasis to build tension while he's looking for Skyler. Way more cin- cinematic. And then Skyler's in the tub with candles going. Walt she says, Walt Junior's at Lewis's house. I wonder if we ever meet Lewis or not. Or if he's like do I need to start some uh, Lewis was, uh, uh, what do you call it, fan fiction at some point. And she's like, so where have you been this time, Walt? And then Walt grabs the money and the Deadpool, he puts it in a diaper box. And then Scatter's like, Walt, Walt. And then we have Hank at the scene of where these guys lost their jobs. He says it's poetic justice. He also says, hey, let's take a picture of old Stumpy which is like a favorite tree that like old, uh, what's his name, likes to fire people at. And then Walt sits on the edge of the tub, about to spill his beans, proverbial beans to Skyler, it looks like. About to cry, and his phone rings. He doesn't answer, it. then a car pulls up. He goes outside, he sees Jesse. He says, what the hell are you doing here? And then Tuco's like, get in, play, meeting. And then you notice he flicked Jesse's ear in this one. I said, well, that's not very boss-like. And then he says, let's go. And they go. And that's the end of the episode. All right? Okay, language learning time. So we got Kobar Day. But must have wrote that down. It just says Kobar. Uh, Cabron, we should. I should know that. It means means uh, dumbass here. Uh, Gasio Wait, this is not... Oh no, this isn't the right one. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, this is the last week. That was the week before. Uh, but again, just start off with a blank. Tritello, tritello, tritello. Casastos generales general casastos. Hipoteca, hipoteca. Haciendo doing. Uh, seis meses six months uh but I spell I must have spelled say wrong but I knew I, oh i guess i think uh, that's what it is it's a k uh k hasemos what do we do so i wonder if uh, haciendo and hacemos, it must be from haser so we're we're learning here folks this is live learning lulling, learning and loving every minute of it here uh, frene, frené. I thought that would mean uh, stop, stop, or something. It means break, break. Uh, hit the brakes, frené. Uh, Serve, S A R V E, serving. But, uh, this is a naughty one, so those of you that are sensitive, cover yours. Chingado, I fucked. But I think it more means it in a, a swearing way than. And swear words are important know so with when you're watching adult television, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, passate, no idea. Pasate de eso of that. Uh, Chingada, it must be from Chingado, but it didn't, the phone, uh, translator couldn't find that. But it just, you know, what I'm doing is a Miracle Spreadsheets, which I barely know anything about, but someone on the Internet Had this thing, they said, oh, you could use a spreadsheet to to look up stuff on Google Translate. Otherwise, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast. I mean, I did the first week, and I said, I can't do this every week. And then I said, I must have two options. One, find another human being, talk to them, say, hey, could you help me if I give you a list of illegible words in Spanish? Could you translate them for me for this weird podcast I do? And then have to, you know, navigate all those uh, roads of where, you know, or I could, you know, find some robotic way to do it that may be less efficient. Uh, one day maybe I'll be a grown-up. But for now, Google Translate in a spreadsheet. Okay, where were we? Uh, TNA, it has Brisa hurry tiralo I throw it up. What a, uh, nothing. This is a good one. I didn't. I, I didn't think this was a word. Asus, asustaste, asus, ta, 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 ta. taste. Asustaste, asustaste. Scared. Uh, ¿Te pasa algo? Is something the matter? Uh, ¿Compraste bought sombrero? That's hat a uh, waltz hat, uh, donde, where, like, uh, where, where, I say, donde, we're learning those, estuviste, estu I must have wrote that wrong, no idea, yeguere, no idea, uh, here, this might be the word of the week, because we can make so many, suponiendo, uh, suponiendo, uh, I wish I had my notes from the episode, but, that's assuming I think in Breaking Bad they use it in a more legal context I can't remember maybe I'll remember but uh, suponiendo don't you know don't assume don't make a uh, a chingado out of you and I I do chingados never mind that was a bad I just made a, a guevon of myself uh, but that's, you know that's not a big deal but they could be the word of the week, suponiendo, acuerdece, nothing, acuerdece, but if you, so this one was a test I did, because I couldn't read my writing, I said is it A-C-U-E-R space D-E-S-E, and Google Translate said no it is not, and then I said is it A-C-U-R-E, U-E-R D-E-S-E one word, and it said Google Translate said remember, so that means, yes, it is. Uh, Miraba. Uh, he is looking. And then this next one I wrote twice. Akabaron. I remember last week we had robaron. Uh Phony phone. Now we have Akabaron. Akabaron. Uh, they ended. That's the word of the week. I mean, that's just anything with Baron in it. Just, it just sounds so good saying it. Baron. Baron. Acabaron, uh, but I I said I couldn't read my writing. I said maybe it's Akabanon. but no, it's uh, Google Translate said nope. Uh, Tracer dose uh, two or three, three or two. Lohizo, he did. Rapido fast. Espera wait. I gotta make some flashcards maybe because these are good ones to learn. Rapido, espera. D may tell me. Terapia therapy. I know how to spell it. I don't really know how to spell it, but I know how to make that, you know, drag that out for years. Uh, Aspera, waiting, petardo, firecracker. Wait a second. That's the word of the week there, petardo, firecracker. Uh, Cuobo, that that one I can't find. I I don't know. I got to do some research on that one. Guavones, we know that's bird brains. Tubito, tubule. Ghana, desire. Wait a second. We got some good words. Wow, we got a tight race between Akabaron. Uh, they ended. Well, I guess they never said what Akabaron, they ended. Uh, Ghana, desire. And uh, Petardo, firecracker. Then we have semi S seeds S plan that's your plan. Semi S seeds the uh, pair hit Oye Hey uh, this might be the uh, this is it must be in reference to Maria and this will be the uh, word of the week. I mean the phrase of the week maybe. Well maybe. A tu mando she will command. Uh, a tu comando. Ea tu mando, she will command. Uh, Mira, look. Uh, entiendo que ustedes dos tienen sus diferencias. I understand you to have your differences. Uh, sabias, sabias. Wise, los míos, no, not mine. Qualquier, uh, so this one I did two, twice too qual space kier want which uh, but qual care one word any so that's the first time that's happened I came up with two two words uh, cosa thing irise say leave that's pretty good Irise say you're irritating me you know if, if we're speaking in spanish and english uh benga bear come see i did not think that's what it meant Benga bear, come see that could be the phrase of the week just because it's useful. They'd be like, "Hey, Benga bear, uh, the Guavone is going to try to do another podcast." Uh, benga bear, Guavone, uh, Tanta. Okay, I'll we'll skip that one. Uh, tanta much, uh, Denele Wabwalta, give back. That's pretty good. Poesia. poesia. P-O-E-S-I-A, poetry. Uh, another bad word here, no yodas. Uh, don't fuck with me. I mean, no yodas. It was just don't don't mess, you know. So, or you think of Yoda, he would probably say, he probably wouldn't say that harshly. But you don't want to mess with Yoda, so no yodas. Uh, con lucho eso fue, oh, oh, I mess. Low. Uh, K.D.O. maybe? Uh, Lucho said that was O.L. Uh, donde estabas? Where were you? Uh, boy. Boy, I'm going. Hablame. I think that means talk to me. Uh, but I just spelled it wrong. I forgot to put the space in there. Hablando speaking. That's when she must be yelling it through the bathroom. Walter. Walter Blanco, I'm speaking to you. Uh, this could be the phrase of the week. We'll see as I edit it. No, say, poor Dundee, come and not know where to start. If I could tell you how many times I've heard, a, you know, a long speech taught to me, start with that. I don't even know where to start with you. I mean, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't even think. So I have 10 fingers and 10 toes, way, way more than that. Where adults, have said, I don't even know where to start. There's so many times in my life uh, where I did something that I didn't think was terribly naughty, it, but the, as a child—and I mean child, meaning below thirty years old—where someone said, "I don't even know where to start. What in the hell?" Or you know, usually I wouldn't say that, but it'd be their eyes would be saying it. Well, you went. What you did? What? K? So for my own life, that's pretty, no se por donde comenzar. And then they say, they would say, what, usted a K? what were you thinking? Uh, Or you think, usted K?" And they probably, a lot of times, they'd also say, esto haciendo aquí, what are you doing here? Uh, Subete, they didn't say that, vamos, let's go. Uh, So that's a word, that's the uh, language learning some good words this week. Uh and we'll see what wins out when we uh when I do the editing. huh? okay so uh, Jose uh, no, uh, Jesse Pinkman not Jose Miguel he was in front of that uh, the hot dog stand the dog the dog house and it had a neon sign. I've always loved neon signs as many so many people do. I just find them So, I don't know. It was so colorful. I I, I just love them. I I don't know why. I don't collect them because I'm also a klutz and I don't have any money. So, and I live in a tiny apartment. But believe me, if I, if I, you know, when me and Muskie go into business with the, uh, with the tube thing or whatever business, you know, when Midler pay, you know, starts paying the bills, and I mean both Bat and the Midler app. Then I'll probably, you know, I'll have my own, you know, neon signs that my neighbors will sue me about in the gated community up on the hill where I'll have them, you know, going, you know, for the people in the flatlands to see. Uh, But until that day, I said, let's do some research. And I know in Las Vegas they have a neon museum, uh, which I've never been to, but I wanted to read just a little bit about it. It's uh, founded in 96, the Neon Museum's nonprofit, 501C. Three, organization des- dedicated to collecting, preserving, and studying studying and exhibiting iconic Las Vegas signs for educational, historical, arts, and cultural enrichment. Uh, the Neon Museum campus includes the outdoor exhibition space known as the Boneyard, the Neon Boneyard. A uh, visitor center housed inside a, formal, a former La Concha motel lobby and the Neon Boneyard North Gallery, which houses additional rescue signs and is available for weddings, special events, photo shoots, and ed- educational programs. Uh, due to the nature of our collection, the Neon Museum Boneyard is only available to the public through our one-hour-long guided tour. Tour Tours are available seven days a week, and tour times are based on the season. Uh, dedicated individuals from the private sector as well as corporate and government and Corporate and government entities worked collaboratively to promote the preservation of these national treasures uh, as significant pieces of artistic and historical importance. Each of the nearly 150 signs in the Neon Museum's collections offers a unique story about the personalities who created it, what inspired it, and when it was made and the role it played in Las Vegas' distinctive history. In addition, the Neon Museum chronicles changes and trends in sign design today, technologies for pieces ranging from the 30s to the present day, Uh, public education outreach and archival preservation and grant-funded neon sign survey represent a selection of the museum's ongoing projects. And that's at 770 Las Vegas Boulevard North, so you should definitely check it out if you can because it sounds wicked cool. And it's gonna you know, go neon signs. Okay, so i want to do a more in-depth story about uh neon lights. It's a pretty long article, so I don't know how much of it we'll be able to get through, but it's by Jane Boyd and Joseph Rucker. And it's from the uh, strangely titled website uh dot org, which is Chemical Heritage Magazine, a library, a museum, and center for scholars. And I don't even want to look into, like, who runs it because it's probably bad news. Uh, but it looks like a pretty good article. Uh, they, they have start off with a quote from uh, Raymond Chandler. I smelled Los Angeles before I got to it. It smelled stale and old like a living room that had been closed too long. But the colored lights fooled you. The lights were wonderful. There ought to be a monument to a man who invented it. Uh, but uh, there ought to be a monument to the man who invented neon lights, 15 story size solid marble. There's a boy who really made something out of nothing. And that's a quote from Raymond Chandler, Little Sister, 1949. And they say that that's uh, Philip Marlowe, the character, talking, and they say he was right about neon. But uh, the inventors of these uh, neon lights did make something out of nothing. I'll try to paraphrase. Uh, the colorful pictures and words come from the air itself. Mysterious gases is extracted from the atmosphere, trapped in tubes and zapped with electric current. Uh, during the 20th century, lights fueled by neon and its fellow gases were icons of commerce and entertainment, illuminating the modern age. Even some computers and calculators used uh, neon tubes for circuits and displays. Uh, today, many of the lights have spread out replaced by newer, cheaper technologies, but these gas tubes still shine, treasured for their unique light. Aristocats, aristocrats of the Air The story of Neon begins in the 1890s with Scottish chemist William Ramsey. He was a co-discoverer of the four noble gases, Neon, Argon, Krypton, and xenon. Ramsey also isolated and characterized helium and radon, two other noble gases, he won the Nobel Prize. And today, no wonder they're noble. They are family of elements distinguished by their unwillingness to bond with other atoms. It was a long time before the atmosphere gave up all its secrets, as in 1785 Henry Cavendish a chemist noted a small residue of gas left over after he removed oxygen and nitrogen from common air. Ramsey and John William Strutt, Sir uh, Baron Rayleigh or something, uh, tried to identify the gas. They began uh, using brute force me- methods uh, to strip away uh, every atom of nitrogen and oxygen, uh, even using red-hot copper. Uh, after they got there, they named the residual gas argon, Uh, derived from the Greek for the inactive or lazy one. Though argon makes up less than 1% of the atmosphere, Ramsey selected there were more rare gases hidden in the air. 1899, him and Morris Travers tried to hunt those down, and they isolated the gases like boiling them and going below boiling, and they discovered Neon Krypton and xenon, which is Xenon, Xenon, which is Greek for the new one, oh krypton the new one, no neon the new one, krypton the hidden one, and xenon the stranger. Xenophobia, that's what I'm a xenon, maybe. these uh, rare gases are invisible to the naked eye. Each one glows a distinctive, brilliant color when sealed in a tube and energized with high voltage. Uh, these these tubes became the basis for neon lamps. Ramsey found neon's light striking. In his 1904 Nobel Prize lecture, he described the neon spectrum as a brilliant flame-colored light consisting of many red, orange, and yellow lines. Uh, Travers was even more descriptive. A blaze of crimson light from the tube told its own story, and it was a sight to dwell upon and never to forget. It was worth the struggle of the previous two years and all the difficulties yet to be overcome before such research was finished, for nothing in the world gave a glow such as we had seen. Uh, Mining air, and in the late 19th century, liquid air, especially oxygen, found other uses in theater lights, welding, and techniques for liquefying glasses used the Joule-Thompson effect, which you can see when you use pressurized air to dust a keyboard or huff it. Don't do that, though. As air expands through the nozzle, the temperature drops and condensation forms on a can. Uh, first practical methods to look for air appeared when Ramsey was working to isolate his gases. And you want to thank William Hampson, who, who, one of the men responsible, and he did that in his Nobel Prize lecture. But we'll skip some of this because it's not neon, but these all these really great science dudes... In England, Germany, France, they were all working hard to liquefy air and, you know, create great quantities. Uh, they made, you know, companies, they sold air, they did research, and they wanted to discover even more noble, noble gases. And this guy Claude, he was a French guy probably, he was the first to look to gas tubes for light. Uh, you, you know, said Edison's making all this dough on these incandescent light bulbs. Uh, do you think we could get in on it? But, you know, Edison already had this guy working for him. They made 10-foot tubes with nitrogen or carbon under low pressure with electrodes. They were called Moore lamps after this guy, Daniel McFarlane Moore. And believe it or not, they were more efficient than carbon filament lamps and then in use. Uh, but they're expensive to, to install. You needed a glass plumber, high voltage, and they leaked. Uh, so Edison put them out of business. Then Claude found, he, he said, well, let me adapt this concept with neon. Uh, but he couldn't just switch it. Switch switched it got a magnificent glow. But the impurities set free from the hot electrodes to dim the brightness, and then he put in a carbon filter. But that made the uh, fl- it, uh, tubes flicker out too soon, then larger electrodes, and stayed cooler, and then a 20-foot tube could last 1,200 hours. Uh, so then Claude, he got his first patent in 1910. He showed it at the Paris Motor Show, you know, for signs for manufacturers, uh, glinting off the shining metal of the cars below. Outside, two forty-foot tubes glowed a vivid, glowed a vivid orange-red on the building's colonnade, uh, and it was all displays of modern technology. Uh, but Claude was like, "Well, you can't light up a building with red neon," but he said, "Sometimes, it might, you know, with monuments and ads, it could be more dazzling than tr- an attractive uh, than a regular light," and that's how it worked out. The uh, first time he did it was on a Parisian barbershop in 1912 on Montemart. Uh, then they did it for Italian vermouth maker Sinzano. Uh, and then they illuminated the entrance of Paris Opera. Uh, then Claude formed a company, Claude Neon. That would be a good spy name. My name's Claude, Claude Neon. And he started selling franchises, hundred thousand plus royalty, but dozens of people signed up royalties. In America, you know, he he played us for fools, but a smart guy. And then neon was on its way. Maybe uh, the first signs in the United States didn't appear in New York or at Las Vegas, which you know didn't really have anybody in the twenties, but in L.A. or entrepreneur Earl Anthony. He was already a pioneer in radio, automobiles, and gas stations. He had a 1915 a dealership for Packard Motor Cars, and after he saw a clutch sign, he in '23 he commissioned a stylish promotion for his downtown showroom, with signs that said Packard in elegant script and neon tubing with a blue border, you know, maybe with some mercury science cost about $1,250 $1, American, about half the price of a car, but the investment paid off. There was sensation-causing traffic jams. But to quote from that point on, Neon was unstoppable. It was truly the new one, a symbol of modern industry commerce and progress in a world still recovering from World War I and the Great Depression. In New York, London, Denver, and Shanghai, across main streets of the world, dusk brings forth a million vivid electric signs that make the night alive. There is a new sign language written in glass, uh, proclaimed in 1937 advertisement for Corning Glass Works, which supplied tubes for neon signs. Uh, Claude's use of neon at the Paris Motor Show is perhaps prophetic, since neon became an integral part of automobile culture, particularly in the U.S., they used neon signs as the interstate highway developed in the U.S. Uh, to attract motorists to businesses, gas stations, diners, motels, and roadside attractions. Uh, at New York, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas, uh, you know, became famous for countless neon signs that enticed people with visions of nighttime pleasures, both accepted and forbidden. Uh, going to the movies to the theater, dining in restaurants, dancing, drinking, gambling, and sex. Uh, many people learn how to make neon signs by working with established sign makers, sign makers but only a few trade schools, no, modus, notably the Igani Neon glass blowing, glow, glass blowing School in New York City, taught the technique. Uh, working from a design trade center an asbestos She great. A sign maker heated a glass tube over a burner and a torch to create bends and curves, blowing frequently through the hot tube to keep it from collapsing. Further steps including attaching electrodes, evacuating the air inside, and bombarding the interior with high voltage to clean the glass. After small amounts of glasses were pumped in usually neon argon, with sometimes a little mercury, the tube was sealed, it was aged with electrical current to remove impurities from the gas, and ensure a steady luminosity. The completed tubes were then mounted on a metal plate, coated with enamel for durability, and to enhance the lights. And then the sign was complete. You know, they just throw the electronics on there. Uh, adjusting the gas mixture, tinting or coating the tubes allowed for more than 40 color combinations. Even with the limitations imposed by the fragile and difficult medium, many forms and shapes are possible black letters, flowing scripts, lines and geometric designs, and pictures of all sorts. From a humble shoe or the fish in the shop window to elaborate long-scale moving signs called spectaculars. Animated by complex timing devices that turn tubes on and off in succession, these signs dazzled onlookers with outlines of tra- speeding trains, gigantic dancing showgirls, or drinks poured into immense glasses. Spectaculars were masterpieces of art and technology requiring hundreds of feet of tubing and miles of electrical whiting and miles of electrical wiring. Uh, Neon just didn't do signs. You know, they talk about computer and neon tubes, uh, switching tubes, which is cool, and then neon, you know, blackouts during World War II that darkened the neon signs in the U.S., and some of the bigger ones were never relayed because people went for cheaper, lower-maintenance signs, plastics, fluorescent tubes. Uh, and nowadays, unfortunately, a lot of neon signs are small and simple like open or beer. Uh 70s saw a little bit of a, a small-scale neon revival that's still going uh, because the neon's unique look and retro appeal. And, you know, there's maybe even a new artisan movement. It doesn't say that here, but I can imagine. Uh, that oh, and it says yeah, artists push the medium in new directions, drawing with light to create unique abstract sculptures. Even if giant television screens and lighted billboards have replaced the extravagant neon spectaculars of old New York City's Times Square and elsewhere, neon still illuminates the night skies in cities and towns worldwide, from Las Vegas to Tokyo and beyond. And what are the first neon signs in the U.S.? Uh, Packard cars are gone, but Earl C. Anthony's showroom remains in downtown Los Angeles. Over the entrance, a replica neon sign advertises the new function in brilliant blue-white glow, glow Packard blofts. And it says here, Jane Boyd, Jane E. Boyd, Ph.D. is an art historian, independent curator, and freelance writer and editor in Philadelphia. Uh, Joseph Rucker, Ph.D. is a biochemist and director of research and development at integral molecular uh, Philadelphia biotech firm. I don't know anybody that's in California. I went to that Cars Land maybe a few years ago in California Adventure at Disneyland. And I know making that original movie, they drove Route 66 and they saw the neon signs. So they recreated a lot of that there. It's very cool. And I think they have, like, a little thing where people gather just like a spectacular. When the sun sets, they turn on all the lights. And it's really, really cool. So, you know, uh, and then there's the, the Las Vegas Museum. So a little bit about neon signs.